Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Everybody loves Wednesday. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob Foster with episode number 138 of Shut Up and Grind. So today we're going to be talking about a whole host of different topics when I bring my guest on. But first, if you're new to the show, welcome. First and foremost, welcome. But uh, we talk about overcoming obstacles. We talk about defying the odds. We talk about getting rid of that little voice in your head that makes you doubt yourself. And between my own stories and the stories of my guests, we're hoping to inspire you to tell that little voice to shut its mouth because you have stuff to do. You have things you want to accomplish out there in this world. You have goals. You have dreams. You got hopes. You have wishes. You have aspirations. And I'm running out of adjectives. But whatever it is, you have it. All right. And we want to give you the motivation and the inspiration and usable action steps that you can take to help you reach those goals. And why should you listen to me? Allow me to introduce myself. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what you're passionate. It starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again all that stuff I was like you know what like I want to be able to take this even bigger if you know why you do what you do you have to know how to charge for what you do that's how you're going to change your life and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family you gotta know your work Right before we dive in, I want to give a birthday shout out. This is my sister Regina's 49th birthday. Damn right, I blasted your age, right? 49th birthday today. Happy birthday, sis. And no matter what, you're always going to be older than me. Just never forget that. All right, so as we dive into today's teachable moment. So what I want to talk about today is about you not letting other people infiltrate your headspace. And people say, well, that's so hard to do. It's really not because you pick and choose what bothers you. So if something, if someone says something, you give it the power to affect you or not. So for example, we'll just take a female or even 
two, two, two men, whichever, and somebody comes up and they call you the B word. You have the option of letting that bother you or letting that not bother you. So if you choose to let it bother you, that is on you. If you choose to let it not bother you, that is also on you. Because we have to understand it's called self-esteem, self-care, self-love, self-awareness. That means you are in control of it. So once you are in control of it, outside forces cannot infiltrate it. They cannot. People can call me anything that they want to call me. And it does not affect me because I know who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I ooze confidence. They can make fun of my race. They can make fun of the fact that I'm bald. They can make fun of the fact that one of my knees is bigger than the other one from surgery. Doesn't matter. I know who I am. No outside force has what it takes to break my skin. And so that's what I want to help other people de develop. Because a lot of the people that I work with, a lot of the messes that I'm helping them sift through is from stuff that other people put on them. And that's one of the worst things you can do to someone else is to clip their, their wings because we were all meant to do amazing things. Just amazing comes in many different forms. So for some people, it's athletics. You know, for some people, it's, it's um, educational stuff. For some people, it's speaking. For some people, it's art. For some people, like my guest today, it's, it's uh, photography. It's a love of wildlife. There's so many different things that, that are out there that we can be amazing at. So just because someone is great at one thing doesn't mean you have to be great at the same thing. You have whatever it is within you that you were destined to be great at. So don't let anyone take that away from you because that's on you to do. All right. So that's today's teachable moment. So now I mentioned that my guest is into photography. He is into wildlife and he married the two. So he is an author. Like I said, he's a photographer, wildlife enthusiast. And he seems like an overall great human being, and he's got one hell of a New Jersey accent. So welcome to the show, Dennis Glennon. Welcome. Hey, good to be here. How you doing? See them saying, check out that voice. <laughs> right there, right there. Hey, how you doing? Uh, exit, exit 63, right here, you know? <laughs> All right. So you are in New Jersey, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mawa, New Jersey. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're going to be down in that area in a few weeks. Well, close. We're, we're doing a Spartan race down there at uh, Mountain Creek. I've done it. Oh, nice. I've done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, be careful on that last slide. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of rocks. Oh, I, um, I've done. I've done that race a lot of times. Oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been on that mountain ever since 2014. I want to say. <laughs> so I've done it a lot. Yeah, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. fun. 13 of us head, heading down, me and some of my, my gym peeps. Awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's right. It's a great accomplishment finishing that. Uh, I was 46 when I did my first one. Right? I was 46, okay. uh, a bunch of us, all, all you know, and uh, we're like, oh, we're going to do it. We're going to finish. And we all finished. Uh, we all did, you know, what was cool is we were the old dudes, right? We were the old dudes. <laughs> and we finished right, right in the middle of the pack. So we were, it was good. Nice. You know, it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I tell a lot of a lot of stories about doing those races because if you think about it, it's like the ultimate metaphor of life because you have to deal with weather, you have to deal with the elements, you know, with the mountain itself, like you said, with the rocks. If it's muddy, you gotta climb, you gotta carry, you gotta drag stuff, and but like you like you just said, you knew you were going to finish, right? No, no, no matter what came in your path, you're like, I'm crossing that finish line. But yet in everyday life, people hit one obstacle and quit. 
You know what I mean? And he quit. Like I said, and that's the purpose of this show is to help people stop that. You know, so we're gonna get yep. into your backstory and just whatever you had to had to accomplish to get to where you are now. You know, so that way we can help the audience connect with you and they can say, Oh, here's yet another person that had to go through some stuff to get to where they want to be. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll get to that because I, I I had overcoming ob- obstacles that uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Talk about that, uh, unbelievable. Um, right, and sometimes you doubt it, right? Sometimes you doubt it. You don't know how you're gonna make it through it, but deep down, yeah, you gotta believe. And this is one thing I, I'll just set off off the bat, and we'll go we'll backtrack. What I learned from the whole thing, right? You gotta believe in yourself more than you appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to to the show. <laughs> Right, awesome. Thank you for taking the time. And so the, the same question I just asked her, how would you describe yourself? Uh, I would describe myself as somebody who uh, likes to move in different directions, but move quickly, right? So I'm, I'm a person that likes to bring people together. Um, I've had experience in my background of community organizing. I've been on boards of, of, of community college. So it really ties in with what we're doing with Start New. So yeah, I would say that I, I like to bring people together. Um, I'm a you know, person that likes to lead uh, when the opportunity presents itself to try to connect people. Uh, so yeah, that's how I would describe myself. Okay, I love it. All right, so back to Daphne. What was your childhood dream? My childhood dream was to actually go into music. Um, I wanted to entertain people, I think. But I realized you wanted that, to be the next Janet Jackson. No, actually, I'm a pianist, so um, okay. I, maybe Alicia Keys. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to be the yeah, Alicia Keys. Actually, I love her music. Um, I, I still play it to this day. But I, I realized that my relationship with music was really one that was personal. And when I did start getting paid for singing and performing, I saw it sort of draining me and taking away the beauty of what music means to me, which is that there's like just this amazing feeling that happens when you're playing the piano and you're in the right key and it's 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 reciprocal, it's it's beautiful feeling. And so I realized that that relationship that I was having with the piano, that relationship that I had with music, I wanted to actually keep personally. And I wanted to expand into my other interests where out throughout my entire life, there's sort of been this mission of service. And it started from when I was really small, probably just seeing my family, I have to be honest. But I remember once going back home to see my grandparents and I arrived in Haiti and there were a lot of people crying and asking for money. And I started crying and my grandfather said, stop crying. I was literally like 11. (laughs) He's like, stop (laughs) crying, suck it up. If you want to do something, then you should just make a plan, execute and do something about it essentially. And I was like, oh snap, like no sympathy. (laughs) He was very just like, (laughs) get something done. And so ever since that moment, there's kind of been this foundational um, need to serve inside of me that whatever I did in whatever capacity it was, I was always looking to help people advance. That's what makes me happy. That's where I find joy. And so it's it it started there. So my childhood started out in a place of service and a place of wanting to do that. And every little step that I've taken along the way has been towards that goal. Yeah. See, like I said in my opening speech there about if you're in something that's unfulfilling. So even though you were in music, you, you had a passion for, for music, it was you found it to be draining. And I can relate to that. When I started 
my my fitness business is it it, it was a hobby. Like it wasn't supposed to, to become a business. It just right. wasn't. Yeah. It was just me and a couple people having some fun, getting back to my athletic roots. Yes. And then next thing you know, it grew and grew and kept growing and kept growing. And then it got it got to the point where we had almost 300, 300 clients. And and it was it was cool. And it was no, nothing about the people. Like I loved all of the people. I just didn't like the business end of it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, then they start having to think we need X amount of people. Like, I, I didn't want to look at them as dollar signs. It's like exactly. these are people who are coming in and they need my assistance. Like they need my guidance. They need my motivation. It's like I don't and I don't if they, they can't pay me, like I don't want to just cut them off because right. they can't pay me. <laughs> you know, like like you, I, I'm very heart centered, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I can't just cut pe- people off like that. So I struggled with, with that end, but I scaled it back now. To where I have way less clients, but I'm way happier now because that yeah. pressure isn't there, you know. So, Shamil, what's uh, what was your childhood dream? Am, am I pronouncing your name right? Yeah, you got it, Shamil. Oh, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, no, uh, for me, my childhood dream was more of an idea, uh, just leaving an impact, whatever that meant, right? Um, I don't know if you if you ever came across some people were like, "What's your tomb tombstone going to say?" And so, I don't know when that moment happened, but for me, the idea of like just making my own debt in the universe, whatever that might mean. Uh, so that was really like a, a big driving force for me. So that kind of drove me in different directions. But a, a big part of that was through education, right? A lot of my family said like, look, school is the way to go. College is where you're going to go. It's going to be like your launching pad to achieve those dreams, whatever they may be. And um, and so that's what I started doing. I, I was a good student. And I would just have businesses here and there, right? Just trying to make my own impact in my own little way. Uh, whether when I was a kid, literally I would uh, DJ, you know, outside of school or um, do graphics. And, and like, I was always trying to do something that was related to that, um, you know, trying to business or, or just doing, making an impact in some way or another. And so when I got to college, I, I got involved with politics. Like I thought that, you know, changing my community through government was the way to go. I did that for several years from different perspectives. Uh, And then ultimately uh, joined the military and uh, just continued to work on our business here. And, you know, for me, it's always been that driving force of like, what's the theme of like, where, where am I making an impact? How am I contributing in my own little way? And, you know, ultimately like, what's my tombstone going to say, like, did I contribute to society in a positive way? See, you're a much bigger person than I am because my tombstone's gonna read this some BS with a down arrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Daphne, how, how did you two meet? So we met in college in and our stories differ, but we met in college in class. <laughs> um, we were, I think, taking international relations. Yeah. Was it? International mm-hmm. relations. And my, so my major at the time was government and politics, focused in international relations, because I thought that my path towards making a difference was going to be in diplomacy. So I, we were in that class and there were like a certain number of government classes that we had to take. And my history in 
academics is that I I tend to graduate at the top of my class. <laughs> so uh, part of that, I believe, stemmed from engaging with the professor, always understanding the material before I get to class and making sure that I communicated that to the professor, making sure that I was prepared for exams, et cetera. So when we were sitting in this class, I sat in the front as I tend to do. The class was shaped differently. And the professor, instead of paying attention to me, who was sitting in the front, the professor kept walking towards the middle of the U-shaped seats. Mm. And I was livid because I said, the professor is not <laughs> noticing my academic prowess. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I am not used to this. So I changed where I was sitting. And it happened to be where somebody believes that they were sitting. And that's wow. how we met. <laughs> The Robert changes every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we met. All right, Camille, what's uh, your, your version? <laughs> <laughs> My version is, is straight to the point because that laid it out. We were in class together. It was a small class, like maybe 15 people. Uh, it was really like a really small classroom. And um, so like I want to say after like the first week, it's college. So Daphne is, you know, like sat in my seat after the first week. And I remember oh. when I walked up to her, I was like, hey, you're sitting in my seat. And she's like, we're in college. There are no assigned seats. <laughs> no assigned. I did say that. <laughs> so, I, um, you know, we, we, we left it at that. That's kind of really how we uh, first met, honestly. So the, the details are a little fuzzy about why she sat in my seat. I have a different perspective. Oh, yeah. I saw the eye roll. I caught the eye roll. <laughs> I couldn't hold it. Sorry. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, but that's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> All right, so Daphne, how would you describe your overall college experience? I had an amazing college experience, I have to admit, but I'm I'm super lucky, right? I, I graduated at the top of my class in secondary. I went to the right school. You know, I basically walked into the college where we met with, um, you know, a competing offer of the school that I was actually enrolled in. So I was heavily subsidized. I didn't have to worry about expenses. I'm just giving people context because a lot of the struggle from college comes from having to address the finances, right? Not being able to do that. So my experience was really positive because I didn't have to think about that a lot. I was essentially completely covered. In fact, some years I made money just by being a student because I won so many scholarships. Yeah. So that allowed for me to really just enjoy the experience, get a huge, fantastic network that is still in my life today, um, you know, get invited to the right events, meet the right people, participate in all of the activities in New York City of all places. So I had a great experience because I didn't have to worry about the finances. And so that allowed for me to network, meet people, focus on school, um, engage with people who would further and who did further my career and just enjoy being a student. So I say that because I understand that people have those those struggles and they're real and they're valid. And I don't want to be a person to say that, oh, everybody should have a great experience. No, it's not true. If if I didn't have, you know, full and and extra scholarships, I probably wouldn't have had the same experience. But I was able to give my all in school because of those creative ways of paying for school. Yeah, see, and, and to take it the, the other way, you had those opportunities because you put the work in. You know, it's right. like that's that's okay. the message there. It's not, it's not like, oh, you're so lucky because you got all these scholarships. Like, no, you got the scholarships because you put the work in. 
Right, right. I was applying to like at least five scholarships per week. So I was writing essays. I was going out there. I was hustling. I was also a a college ambassador. So basically a campus ambassador, I think they called it. So I sold spring break trips in college and I made $50 a head and $100 a head, I think it was for the international spring break trips. Um, And then I also was a student ambassador. So I gave tours on campus. I sang for my university. That was the the performance. I got paid to do that. So I sang at the Waldorf Astoria. I sang um, at the Pierre Hotel, Carnegie, just a bunch of places I was paid to sing at. And uh, they paid me for that. You know, I got paid to sing, which is great. so, so I, I use a lot of different creative ways. And of course, the traditional like academic scholarships I already had, but I was able to supplement and get that extra income by hustling, applying to a lot of scholarships and using other creative ways to fill in the blanks. Awesome. Perfect answer. All right, Shamil, describe yours. Yeah. So my, my experience was a bit different in terms of financing school, uh, but my experience was very positive like while I was there for sure. So a lot of the messaging for me growing up was you're going to school, you're going to school, you're going to school. But the one like gap that we really failed to uh, think all the way through is how are we going to pay for it? Right. So um, luckily we, we tried our best to come up with whatever we could, but the financial aid package didn't cover everything. And I didn't know that you could actually negotiate it at the time. Um, so I took it as it was and I just said, all right, I got to sign a dotted line to take out the student loan. Like I just signed without asking really questions at all. Um, and went from there. So for me, I just got to campus and got involved. Right. So I just joined organizations. Like I, you know, became a resident assistant on campus. Um, I joined, uh, the college Democrats when I was on campus, I, you know, got involved with Greek life. So I was just like, here's my opportunity to experience a whole new world, right? I'm meeting people from all over the world, you know, different, different backgrounds, different cultures, different, you know, economic situations. Right. So for me, it was like, like it just blew my mind. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed that experience because it really opened up a lot of the things that I now know that I try to share with others because I had really grown up in this bubble of what the world was like before I got there. And so um, that was a really big part of my experience. Uh, and anytime I had a chance to, you know, go to a conference and, uh, you know, volunteer here or volunteer there, like I was all over it. You know, we did the, you know, feeding the homeless, uh, you know, in the evenings or staying at a homeless shelter to, to help uh, those nonprofits that were, that were supporting them as well. Um, or if it was like going on campaigns in the area across the country, literally, you know, imagine they're like, oh, we got free college hands coming to help us. Yeah, let's, let's, all you need is a trip to get there. Okay, we'll, we'll pick you up and drop you off, whatever you need. So that was really a big part of my college experience is that I was like, this is a chance for me to explore the world, experience something completely new, and then build my skill set so that when I graduate, you know, I'm rocking and rolling, ready to go wherever, wherever my life is going to take me, but it's not by mistake. And so um, I was lucky that all of that time, like interning, you know, um, you know, volunteering a lot. I had a job offer the March before I graduated uh, for a full-time gig uh, on a big ca- on a big campaign. So for me, it was like a big thing. And I only say that because, like you were saying, it, it was a obviously part of it of luck, right? You got to get there, you got to get your health, and get everything to go to at that point in your life. But it wasn't by mistake. <laughs> it wasn't by mistake at all. Love but, it. See, yeah, and that's that's the message 
that needs to get out more about college because it, it burns my soul where people say, well, you know, college is about finding yourself. It's about having fun and experimenting. <laughs> I'm like, like my daughter, my older daughter, here. she's in, um, yeah, she's in college now. She's, she's a junior. And before she, she went in, I told her, regardless of what you hear in society, we're not paying a hundred thousand dollars. So you can freaking soul search. <laughs> I said, I said, we're going to figure out what you want to do. We're going to reverse engineer it. You know, yes. like what, what makes you happy, write yeah. down everything that makes you happy, write down who you would like to work with in life. Say over the next 10 years, what group of people do you want to work with? And then now what industries will allow you to do th these things and work with those people? You know, then she exactly. wants to go in, into uh, kinesiology. Like she kind of likes oh, what nice. I do, oh. how like I do fitness, but I do more personal development. I just use fitness as the platform. And so yes. she wants to do that. She she grew up without her biological mom. So she mm -hmm. wants to work with young girls who grew up without their biological mom. And it'll give it's them beautiful. and use fitness as an outlet to bring them together. So it's like, it didn't take us long to figure that out. I was like, we're not going, you know, 70% 70, 70 of college graduates don't even use their degree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a know, large percentage. You're completely and right. Like, and yeah, we're trying to reverse that. Is, that. I yeah, agree. So like, and that is way too much money to be spending for, for you to go play. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, but yeah, but and I feel like that's the reason because people go into it, they go into it blind, and then they end up graduating. They have a mountain of debt, which we'll get to that in a minute. You know, they have a mountain of debt, and they're in a field that they don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so it's like, why why don't why don't we start like my younger daughter? She's fourteen, and we're already looking ahead to college at Love fourteen. You no, know, so that way, I said, as parents, we have eighteen years <laughs> to, for them to figure out who the hell they are. Yeah. <laughs> 18 years. That's a, <laughs> so, and and to be honest, like if they need more time and that's totally fine. Yeah. America has to start, you know, maybe as a culture changing how we think about what's the next step. Does yeah. it make sense to take a gap year and to figure that out if you haven't figured mm -hmm. it out in 17 or 18 years? I that's that's fine. Take a year and you can use that year. You can actually make money while you're exploring who you want to be. You can teach in whatever random country that you'd like to explore who you want to be like, or you can build a business. You can do a lot of things that don't involve incurring six figure student loan debt so that you can find yourself. Exactly. All right. So Shamil, we'll, we'll start with you. So take me through from Daphne taking your seat oh man to, to wait to where you guys became business partners like i like i like how, how, you, did, how did the you chose the right story already <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's take me through how the relationship evolved no sure so we uh we were just classmates for several years and then um we ended up uh working together like on projects together uh, we started dating and then as we we were like le legit, like I'm not BSing here at all. When I say that like, we were really good working together, like we, anytime we worked on a project together, we were legitimately getting an A, like that wasn't, you know, the question. Um, and it's because we just have good communication. We know how to, you know, delegate with each other and, and, and separate responsibility. So I think that worked out really well. Uh, and then ultimately um, to like speed it up to how we got to where we are today, um, eventually Daphne went to get her master's. And I know she had mentioned that before where she ended up literally standing up an entire volunteer program for her university while she was getting her master's in Europe for yeah. several different countries at the same time. So I got to give her credit for that. And um, after she graduated, 
um, we, we, we got engaged, um, shortly thereafter, uh, while she was out there and like then, two days after I graduated. <laughs> yeah, <literally>. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, after, after that, uh, we started working together, uh, on a project after we got married, we started, you know, just trying to figure out ways like, Hey, what, what's going to be the problem that we tackle. And the idea of starting new came up. It wasn't even starting at the time. It was like a registry to help people, uh, basically raise money for their student loan payments and their tuition, right? So think of like a wedding registry or, yeah. you know, a new baby registry or baby shower registry. And so that was the idea, but it didn't really work uh, that well in terms of the feedback that we got. People just didn't want to beg for money for their loans. They wanted to do something for it. So um, that was really how we went from, you know, meeting each other in class to, you know, where we are now. Now, obviously I skipped the pun up there, but I just wanted to sum it up of like how that I'm sure she'll fill in the blanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, a lot of, a lot of that was, was correct. I have to be honest. Um, besides the beginning, I, I did not take anybody's seats because you know, there are no assigned seats in college. Um, but be besides that small fact, everything else is, is really accurate. You know, some of the businesses that we did before were, um, you know, industrial controls, like Shamil had this, ex this really niche expertise in automation for factories. And so we thought, ooh, how can we expand this globally? You know, and so we did that for a little bit. And then we did PR for a little bit, you know, so we had other businesses that we were working on where we became better business owners, I think. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's where you learn about managing logistics and forming a company and all of the filings and all of the logistical <laughs> things we sort of figured out on the first seven businesses, you could say. <laughs> and then when we turned our attention to solving this problem, that's when we got better at understanding our customer, understanding what they want, who's a customer versus who is a user. So understanding sort of the different dynamics in business and relationships happened in this stretch, I would say. And we've work together the entire time and been able to leverage our strengths. For example, I'm not the best person. I'm not paid. I tend not to be patient. Just one. Um, Shamil is way more patient than I am. <laughs> so that helps in the working with people, managing people. Shamil's your guy, not necessarily me. Although people that I manage do like me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that when we started thinking about, okay, how are we going to solve this problem? looking at how people felt instead of the solution that we wanted to provide. I think I give Shamil a lot of credit for doing that and, and for really turning our attention to focus on, well, that's not what the, the customer is telling us. They're telling us that they don't want to beg for money. And we saw that that comes from an inherent, innate sense in humans almost to contribute to society. Everybody wants to contribute in their own way. I don't know if anybody is truly happy just sitting down on a beach doing absolutely nothing. Even if you are on a beach, you want to do something. You want to either do some caretaking, take care of somebody, or you want to plant a tree, nurture the tree, or you want to build something. Humans, we're creators. We're like mini creators. And so there is an innate desire to contribute. And I think that's why this current model that we have 
works much better for a user base because they're still contributing. They feel like we're not begging for money anymore. Now I just helped this nonprofit, you know, run a whole marketing campaign and they were able to raise a hundred thousand dollars for, for their next year funding. Or I wrote a grant proposal and I was able to secure $75,000 for this nonprofit. I contributed, you know? And so that is, the presence that uh, we allow users to feel today that we weren't allowing before. All right, so Shamil, des describe the, um, what did you just call it? The uh, the business model. So like describe, like, so I know you said originally you wanted to be like a registry. So how yeah. did it, it evolve to what it is now? Oh, sure, good question. Yeah, so we, we started off that way as a registry. And then as we were getting feedback, like Daphne mentioned, we were asking the users, Hey, what do you what do you think? What do you like? And people were honest, <laughs> and we're like, okay. So we started uh, trying to figure out ways to incentivize people, right? And Daphne, uh, you know, as you've heard, has a lot of volunteer experience, and so we were trying to figure out how to marry those two together. And that became when we started offering some of those ideas to the people that were giving us feedback. They were like, oh no, absolutely, yeah, if that's if that's how you guys can create, we would do that. You know, like it was just really that that natural idea of, sure, I don't mind helping somebody else and then also helping myself in the, in the same respect. So that's how that aspect of it came. And then uh, the most recent evolution or the most recent pivot that we have was this summer where we started switching over to a campus-based model, right? And so we're creating these ecosystems on different campuses because before you used to be able to just sign up find service opportunities, request your payment, and then the payment will go directly to your lender or to your university if you were in school. So what we realized is that we really have to tie in the university, even if you have graduated from school, because that's how we can really serve as like the nexus. It can serve as that like central hub for us to verify that you did go to that school. If you are in school, we can verify that you have. But then more importantly, we can impact the bigger picture, like you were saying for your daughter, right? What are we doing to prepare you for after graduation, right? And so schools are seeing some reduction in their uh, enrollment numbers and the, the amount of time that it takes for people to finish school, right? So it used to be four years, then it used to be five years, and now it's even up to 60 years in terms of average time for it to complete a four-year degree. And so what we are saying here by flipping and, and moving in this direction is that now schools can help reduce the dropout rate for students that leave after their first year, right? Which is something that that a lot of people don't talk about, right? So now you've left school and now you still have student loans. And now we can do that because they're gaining real world experience by helping nonprofits with whether their hands, whether their knowledge that they're gaining from school, right? They can actually test it out and see like, okay, I'm a marketing major. How can I help this nonprofit market better? You know, I'm a web designer. Maybe I can help and, you know, update a website for one of these nonprofits because they just don't have the resources to do it on their own. Or even if they do, they don't have the staff or time to do it. Right. So we started really honing in on what it was that every one of our stakeholders needed. Right. So we figured out what students and alumni needed. Right. Students needed to figure out ways to help close the gap for school. Alumni needed to figure out, hey, is there like a reverse scholarship out there that I could take advantage of? Right. Because these student loans, they cost a lot to pay back. Um, nonprofits were saying, hey, we need we need more help. Like just a simple, straight answer. We need more help and we need more skilled help. And so we thought, oh, all this comes together through the university because that's where all of this is happening. And so now we are switching in that direction and that's how we got to where we are today, where if you join, 
the campus, you, you know, your school has to be on board with Start New. And then from there, we can impact the students, the alumni that have gone to that school, and then now the local community surrounding that school. So now there's that win-win relationship. And another part, rather, we typically don't highlight, but we, we you know, would love to do it here, is that our donors are a really big part of how this all works, but they also get transparency. I don't know when you give to your, you know, you give your donations for whichever charities you support, you know, you give your donation and you know, it, you know, you hope it goes to where it's supposed to go, right? Just generally like it just, you know, gets to where it has to go is the assumption. What we do is we allow for you to actually see where it goes. So you see the nonprofit that it benefited, you see the actual programs that they created from those funds, and then you see the students that actually benefited. And so now you know, hey, you know what? I didn't just support, uh, you know, park cleanups or like community development. I also helped help pay student loans or somebody's tuition in addition to supporting a cause I wanted to support in the first place anyway. That's awesome. All right, Daphne. So walk, walk me through how did the school get involved? So a school can get involved in so many different ways. The best way is probably through your campus manager. So campus managers are sort of like the point person on campus to make sure that a university is interested in Start New. And then when it's time to onboard, they're the ones that connect us to their university. And right now what's happening is we have an ongoing petition for any school. So you can go on our website, search for a university and sign the petition for Start New to come on your campus. And once there are, let's say, I'm throwing a number out there, like 51% of people have signed the petition. That's probably a good time just to talk to your university administration to say, okay, now we're ready for Start New to come on campus. Over half the population wants it to be here, something like that. So that's what we're running right now. Like Shamil said, it's a new model that we've just pivoted to like literally, I think two months ago. <laughs> so um, the exciting part is that now there will be that central nexus for universities to get signed up with, but the best way for them to get signed up is with their campus manager. They also get a discount that way. All right. Yeah. Like I, before we came on, I sent, I sent the uh, link to my daughter and oh, I nice. said, uh, get, get on this down there. You are right. It's a great idea. It, 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 it really you. is. Yeah. It's thank a great you. idea. So thank I you. Know, so my pleasure. Yeah. I know dealing with the debt, it's, it's, it's debilitating. One of my clients, she's, I think she's, she just turned 36. I'm going to say, but last year she, she paid her her last of her student loans. I mean, oh, congrats! At, at thirty five, though, you oh. know, it's like you, you leave school at like 22, 23. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, at least she that, did it. You know, yeah. but, but it just took you know a decade of paying yeah. that down. The Obamas, you know, so, even too, right? They took them, yes. you know, just as long, if not double. And I mean, I would equate as somebody who's dealt with weight issues throughout my life, I would equate the journey of paying off a large amount of student loan debt with the journey towards getting healthy. Yeah. So so just to share a little bit about my health story, if that's okay, yeah. I was um, super healthy in secondary, which in the United States is called high school. Um, I was athlete of the year. I don't want to say what year it was to age myself. <laughs> um, I, I was captain of the basketball team, co-captain of soccer. I started on our volleyball team. Um, you know, I was a, a fit person. I played sports year round. Yeah. And coming to college, not having the rigidity because I did not join as a student athlete. I just came to college. 
I, although I did practice <laughs> with one of our teams. You did, you did practice with the D1 girls team. So <laughs> <practiced. on> <laughs> um, but so when I came to back to America, I started not exercising the same way that I used to. Like I started to, I lack discipline is, is the truth. Yeah. And when the discipline left, my weight went up. And so I struggled back and forth over years with sort of bringing that discipline back in. And it wasn't until I was able to bring discipline back into my life in terms of health that I was able to manage my weight again and actually probably look even better than secondary. So the, and it's not only about looks, by the way, I'm not saying that um, it's my motivation, but it's not the only motivation. Um, so, so equating that to paying off a large sum of student loan debt, it takes discipline the same way that it takes discipline to know that you're waking up at four, you're doing your meditation at five, you're going to work out, you're doing cardio first, you're doing your weights second, you're alternating on your days, your areas of core focus, the same way that you exercise discipline with your fitness should be the same way that you exercise discipline with your finances, which might look like automatically 10% um, goes at home. If somebody's putting your life like that, take advantage. And I mean that in a positive way. They're there for a reason, right? And don't forget this, like the value of experiences. Now, it's your obligation. Once you kind of get your stuff together, you better go out and help somebody out. You better go pay that forward. That's your, That's what you, this guy helped me. He didn't have to, no charge, no nothing. He did it. He saw something and he says, you really got to do this. And I was, had the wisdom to listen to recognize this is a gift, another gift, and I took the action to make it happen. Yes, let me double down on that. Because like I was saying earlier, when people get stuck in that sea of negativity, yeah. you miss opportunities. Right. Opportunities are the discipline people take with their entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> so true. Yes, yes. Yeah, good. that's a good one. Yeah, there's people like that. No, Thursday night is girls night. No, yeah. <laughs> Sunday is football with the boys and like nothing can get in the way of that. Yeah. But then you're going to come to me on Monday talking about you feeling like crap and you gain three pounds. You know, like exactly. it's, called, it's called cause and effect. Exactly. <laughs> so, I'd, I'd rather be in the game than watch the game. That That's just been my, my quote in life generally. Mm. And so you are in the game when you exercise discipline. No, what's funny is I, I have a treadmill that has a uh, iPad holder on it. And so, like, when I'm watching fo football, I walk on the treadmill. Yeah, smart. That's the right way to do it. That'll be that'll be the screen in my house. If I ever have one, it will be on my Peloton, make my, my makeshift Peloton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Shamil. All right. So, of the different, the different uh, parts of the, I don't know what I'm trying to say. So you, you had the donors, the students, and the schools, right? Yep. So what's the bigger percentage of your of your membership base? You said, oh, the membership base? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would definitely say the students and alumni for sure. Okay. Um, you know, I think it just makes the – like you said, it's it's a good idea, right? Like the, the feedback that we've gotten, uh, especially this summer and, and recently – has been tremendous, right? We've we've really grown uh, in terms of interest across the country. So we've got folks in North Carolina reaching out. To because I saw the way his his mind worked and 
he saw opportunity in everything when he was even yes. in my booth and we talked over time and he's like, his mind is like, like always going like almost genius. And he seems kind of like sometimes, you know, like he's not thinking of something almost like aloof, but there's a brilliance going on. And he's like, you should, and he would rattle off like a dozen things. Like maybe you would never think of you. Like, how do I, how does this guy come up with this stuff? Like genius, you know, but in a real subtle way. And I'm like, this, this is brilliant. You know, this is brilliant. And, what I found was that, you know, he, like, honestly, sometimes I call him. I don't even think he knows who he's talking to. He's helped so many people, right? I'm like, yeah, that's, I call myself, you know, you see the, the pictures behind me, that 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 puppy, that's the one I based the, that's what he walked into. He saw that puppy in, in the wild. He's like, that's what you got to do. So so when I call my, yeah, this is the puppy, I call myself, I'm like, I'm the puppy in the window guy. Remember me? We talked and all. He's like, help me out. And he's like, eh, eh, eh. and then we're talking and throw me a few pointers and whatnot. But, but stepping back. <laughs> So this is what I think would be a value to, to your audience. So I had this book done. I had this book done many, many years ago, many years ago, and I was ready to go. Uh, I hired his, he actually gave me his graphic designer. So the girl that walked in my booth was the graphic designer. And, and, and so uh, I want to, I want to backtrack. I'll try to make it quick. But what happened was um, I hired somebody, I think it was like Simon and Schuster graphic designer. And, and it was a hard, she did a horrible job, horrible. It was like SpongeBob uh, drunk. It was really bad. And I got so sick over it. I called Carl. I said, Carl, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I hired this person for Simon & Schuster. They did a terrible job. I can't take it. I'm stressing this and that. And then he's like, just talk to Karen. Uh, hold on. She's right here. Puts her on the phone. I said, remember me? You're the one. That She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, I'm working on three books. But she says, send me what you got and we'll make it happen. And she did. I mean, she did an unbelievable job. But, but so anyway, going backwards, um, so what I, I had this book done. We got it done. Well, Karen did the design, this and that and that. And then one day I, I couldn't, I could I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I got I was laying, I was laying on the couch and I couldn't get up. I couldn't get up. And I said, What the hell is wrong with me? And I, and all of a sudden it's like somebody went in and shut the lights off out of nowhere, bam, I'm, I can't move, I can't think, uh, I got brain fog, I'm exhausted, I don't want to do anything, I don't even want to photograph, I don't want to do nothing. Mm. So I went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, in and out of hospitals, and nobody, so anyway, long, really long story short, I got misdiagnosed they, from everything from major depression yeah. to even bipolar, and none of this was true. Mm. Um, I was depressed because it turned out like, and this went on for about almost six years. So I had this booked on a while ago yeah. and then none of the doctors could figure it out. So in the meantime, I had, I had been on every antidepressant, every class, every combination. I got even missed uh, in and out of hospitals, tests, all sorts of the craziest thing. Mm -hmm. And now you, you are getting depressed because you want to do this. You got this burning desire to put this book out. You know, it's going to do good. It's going to inspire people. It's going to do good stuff. You're going to make people smile. I can't do nothing. I can't even think straight. Like I put on 40 pounds right after I ran that Spartan race, right after I ran that race, I was right. So I'm, I'm, I'm 202 pounds finishing in the middle of the pack. I'm in great shape right after that. Something happened. I couldn't move. Now imagine going from like the best shape, not the best shape of my life, but I was in really good shape. And I was working with the trainer for, for a long time. And uh, now you can't move. You're like, what the hell is wrong with me? So, you know, it was, and now you're getting depressed because you got this burning desire to put this book into the world, right? You got, you, you want to do this. You want to make people smile. You want good things to happen. You want, obviously you want to sell a bunch and now I can't move. I can't move. So 
uh, in and out, you know, again, in and out hospitals, doctors, medications, misdiagnosis. It turns out, it turns out um, I was narcoleptic. I was narcoleptic and nobody, mis- nobody diagnosed it. So not only I had sleep apnea, so technically I didn't sleep for like six years. I didn't okay, sleep. So, so for, for the audience, what does that mean? So there's two types of narcolepsy. It's interesting. Um, I only have one type. And they kind of like if you have one, you normally don't get the other. So what they have, the narcolepsy that people hear about is they call that a uh, cataplexy, where all of a sudden you're driving and walking and you sort of just collapse. You know, people, you know, when they fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that. Thank God. I got what they call uh, excessive daytime sleepiness. So I was so tired. And then with the narcolepsy, there's something like a brain chemical. Um, I forget what it's called, like procreating or some whatever it's called. Mm. And it, it's not producing it. So it, it you never go into deep sleep. That's really what, what the, so you never sleep. Technically, I, I don't sleep. So what happened was after exhausting, now I got a diagnosis. I still can't do anything, right? I can't do anything because I'm still not sleeping. So I'm like, what the hell? So. They send you to a neurologist and they, they basically try to treat it with uh, stimulants. Well, here, we talk about overcoming obstacles. <laughs> so now I'm depressed and I, I, I'm, I'm trying, I have Tourette syndrome. So you can't, so if I take stimulants, I'm, I'm all over the place. Yeah. You know, so now I, that's even worse. And I tried it. I'm like, let me try if I could balance it and not, you know, twitch and, you know, do the head shake and have like a grunt if it's bad. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I can't do the stimulants and I didn't like it anyway. I'm still depressed because now I can't move and I'm 40 pounds heavier. I'm like, I need to. Uh, I exhausted every, every modality of Western medicine. So I was with the neurologist. He's like, then there's nothing else I can do. And there's nothing anybody could really do for you. I said, let me ask you a question. I said. I've heard something and I'm going to do it. I want to know if you know anything about it. I said, there's a. A functional nutrition option that what they do, I heard, I don't know too much about it, but I got nothing to lose. And what they do is they treat this as an autoimmune disease. And what they do is they boost your immunity. So basically, whatever they do, it's going to get you to the best you could possibly be. And this is the doctor's name, this lady, Dr. Gordine. And he goes, listen, I've heard of her. He says, I'm a Western guy. I don't know what she does, but I've had people go to her and I get a call, you know, sometime later, a year or two later, and somehow they're fine. I said, done. So it was all, of course, now, now the problem is, I, you know, I was working a little bit and I'd, I'd fall asleep. I'd drive down, like I worked 20 minutes away. I, I'd have to sometimes pull over and t- 10 minutes later take a nap and then go back to go, go to work. Right. Cause I was that tired. And uh, so I go to this lady and I told her the problem. She goes, well, she goes, you're never going to be a hundred percent, you know, most unlikely, but she goes, I'll get you to the best you can be. How about that? Would that work for you? She goes, I said, yeah, yeah anything. And you know, I just want to function. You know? mm-hmm. So it took a while. They do a lot of testing and do this and that, and that, but um, yeah, I mean, they, they did it. So, you know, it took a while. They got to, they do the nutrition. They find out what you're deficient in. And it was a whole thing. It was actually quite fascinating. Yeah. Problem was, right. So now I'm only working a few, you know, 30 hours, 20 hours a week. You know, I'm struggling. I can't do anything. I can't think straight. And uh, on top of that, now there's no insurance, right? I'm paying every, I'm paying like five, six grand out of pocket. I'm like struggling to pay that. Like, I don't got the money. You know, it was, it was bad. It was a bad situation. But I'm like, this is do or die. Because if I don't get better, I can't. 
like yeah it's like and and it's i'll tell you it got so bad it got so bad like those nights i'm telling you it was so imagine not sleeping for like four years five years six years like you know a couple of days you don't get sleep yeah you talk about years and years and years you don't you don't sleep and you're just like you're praying at night you're like man i don't just don't let me wake up tomorrow don't let me wake up tomorrow don't let me mm. wake up or i can't take it no more like you're going bananas yeah. And the only thing, not the only thing, I mean, my family, you know, they were supportive of this and they, nobody could really understand it. But the thing is, uh, the thing that kept me going more than anything else, more than anything, I said, I got to get this book out into the world. I got to do good. I got to put something positive. I, yeah. I can't, I, well, like, like, I can't die with this book in me. I can't do it. I, I got it. I owe it. I owe it to the world. I, I want to put this out. I want to, I want to help. I, wa I got better things I want to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I, I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't know how I was going to get down the stairs. I didn't know anything. I was, I was, you know, you're frightened. Is this forever? You know, you don't know. You don't know. Is it, is it going to pass? You know, there's no cure. There's still no cure for it. And I see a lot of people struggling with it. So I want to help them because it's a, it's a brutal existence. Yeah. So if, and, that, and that's the message, right? So, you know, your show is about the overcoming the obstacles. I mean, I, there was a night, I mean, I was, I, I'm, I'm kidding you not, and I had a reaction to one of the medications they were giving me, and that's the day I stopped. That's really the night I I, I almost killed myself. That's how bad it got. Wow. It was so bad, I, I I had to hold on, like, to a rail, like, just to stop myself, and then, and I had such a bad reaction, and I got back to the couch, and I just sat there, and like, almost like, you know, planes crash, and you got to brace yourself, mm. and I got through it, and then, uh, the medication got out of my system and I said, no more. That's, that's when I decided to go, you know, try to find something like an alternative because I, I was done. That was it, you know, and I wanted to do this. I wanted to do it. And I'm like, I got to find a way, right? There's always a way. That's the message, yeah. right? There's always a way. There's always a way. So like whatever you're going through, right? I mean, if you could defy death, right? And, and, and defy all of this and defy all of the, odds of overcoming not only the depression right and and the t Tourette's and the narcolepsy which is brutal and still find a way find a way to to come out the other side you know and it was hard i mean there was nothing easy about it every day it's a head game it's a head game you're like how am i going to survive how am i going to get through the day how many how many reruns of law and order can i watch <laughs> You know how many <laughs> how many things can you, you, you like you want to do stuff and you can't move yeah you can't move and you just literally were so tired i mean it, it took an effort just to, you didn't even want to eat you didn't want to just like it was too exhausting even to think you just you know was, <laughs> and, and for somebody that you know and the hardest thing i think was that um was people say like sometimes when you did get enough energy there was a couple of days here and there you know you, you go out you just force it and then oh you look fine you look fine and i'm like it's the last thing you wanted to hear you're like i can't even think straight i can't move i maybe i look fine or you'll get through it yeah, people have no idea they have yeah, no idea exactly. like, you know and like it was so brutal and it, a lot of people one they didn't want to hear it right so that's tough and nobody knew what to say even if you did and then it's a hard thing to understand. It's a hard see, thing to understand. See, and that goes back to what I said earlier about self. Is like <laughs> once you stop caring what other people feel or think or what their opinions are, yeah. your life gets so much better. So much better. Because I mean, I mean, I've had this this mentality for a long time now, but like in my early 20s, 
like I became a manager really young, like I was 19. Well, I mean, I was 15 when I became a supervisor. So imagine being a teenager and you're working with people 25, 30, 35, 40 years old, and they're looking at me as some kid. So it's like I, I always tried tried extra hard to make sure I got their respect instead right. instead of just doing what I did to get the position. And then even when I, at 19, I became a general manager. And same thing, you know, I had this woman at the time, she was like six, 62. And she just paid me no ounce of mine. She's like, I got kids older than you. And I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. And and it's like, I was like, all right, what can I do to get her to respect me? And then it's like, wait a second, wait a second. Like, why do I care if she respects me? Right, right. You know what I mean? It's like she had, she played no bearing in me getting this promotion. So like, I, I need to just sit back and do what I'm best at and do what I know how to do. Right. Like, and, and then I'll see if I if I can learn from her, you know, utilize her experience to learn and grow. And then once I started doing that, get these calls <laughs> no so i would just say look do you do you feel like you want to have 20 to 30 years or a mortgage worth of student loan debt that you're gonna have to pay off after you graduate the answer is usually no and so if that's the case then you should look at starting it because it's a great way to build in terms of paying down your student loans or your tuition without having to sacrifice being a student because remember in the the priority here is to be a student and so let's do that, work through our program to work with a flexible schedule that allows for you to pay directly those student loans and tuition, and then we'll go from there. How does that sound? Sounds fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. All right. Daphne, let's give, give you a pitch. <laughs> sure. Would you like to graduate? basis, but doing skills-based tasks to enhance your expertise. So if you're a marketing student, you're working on marketing programs for a nonprofit, you're gaining experience and more importantly, references that will help you get the job of your dreams. So you don't graduate with zero years of experience. You graduate with experience, references, and no student loan debt. How does that sound? Sounds great. Is there any cost to the student? No, students don't pay. 
Because that, that's the only thing you both you both left out of the pitch. Oh yeah, sorry. No, it's, it's free. Right. It's, it's free for students. Uh, let's let them know you get all of this, and it costs you nothing. Like that's yeah. the ultimate no no brainer. Right, mm -hmm. right. This ultimate. is funded by donors, right? So yeah. so students don't pay. Universities do pay, but students do not pay, and this is funded. The student loan payments are funded by donors. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right, so that's our time. Yep. So again, thank you both. So I'm going to do my my closing monologue, but don't don't sign off yet, though, because I want to talk to you guys once we go up there. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thank you my, for having us. My pleasure. This was, this was this was fun. This was was informative, and uh, like I said, thank you both. So I'll, I'll see you guys backstage. Yep. All right. Bye. All right. So that was Daphne and Shamil, and this program sounds amazing. As a father of one child in school. Now this completely. I told you before we even came on the air. I sent. I sent their link. Oh, I have. To, I never put the link on the screen. Right, I sent my link, the link to her. I said, "Here, get your school on this <laughs> because it it really is a no brainer." So you have to put in hours, and sometimes get put in work study as well. And this this can go further. You know, this can go further. So you can graduate and not have that mountain of debt. And so it just makes sense. So uh, if you're tuning in late and you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, make sure you go back to the beginning. And even if you want to, I'll even tell you, you can skip through to around the 35-minute mark, which is where we really get into the nuts and bolts of how the program works. But this def definitely works. I'm definitely going to be a promoter for them because I believe in this. It's needed out there in the world, and this is a great, great program. So it's Start New. And for those listening on the audio, it's startnoo.com. Check it out and get your local school involved. Even if you don't have kids in school, just just pass along the information because, as we mentioned earlier, it's all about giving back. So this is your way of giving back. All right. Thank you very much and have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind. Which is really cool. It's on Amazon too. They can get it on Amazon, but I like it better if they order through the site because I, I can sign it and stuff. Uh, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I see, oh yeah, you got all kinds of stuff on here. Yeah, it's all wildlife. There's wildlife prints, and we do like uh, we make merchandise with it too. Like all the stuff in the background here. Mm -hmm. There's some prints on canvas. Now we're printing on acrylic, on wood. It's a really we just started doing it. It's okay. a really neat stuff. It's really, uh, it's different. You know, it's like yeah. it's so the colors are so vibrant. Oh my god, I love it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to check check you out. It's like you you can't see it because of the yeah. green screen. Yeah. But on this wall over here. I have all kinds of animal pictures. I, I have a moose over here. Yeah, a yeah, bear, yeah. A bear, ducks, elk. 
deer, bobcats. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love wildlife photos. The best. It's the best. The funniest. This year, uh, the one behind me, I got a smiling moose. That's awesome. That's what he's been doing really well. And I got a bear. You can't see it up close, but they have uh, both the mother and the cub. They look like they're smiling. It's awesome. That that's a lot. Of, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Yeah, where'd, where'd you get that that moose picture from? I go up every year. I've been going there like thirty years ago. Uh, outside of um, a place called Baxter State Park in Maine, it's uh, all the way up North Woods. Yeah, North uh, Northwest. Yeah, like, I heard that's the best place to, to to see moose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To Maine or Colorado, Wyoming, or or Alaska. If you want to see moose, those are the, those are the places to go. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, because like I I go up into uh, New Hampshire and Vermont every year, and I never never see any. <laughs> nah, I only saw all these years. I've been doing this a long time, I've been about 30 years now. Um, I've only seen, I think, one moose um, in New Hampshire, none in Vermont, none. And uh, mm-hmm. so I go to Maine. Uh, you go way up north, up by Baxter. Um, there's a bunch of lakes up there. You could go uh, Rangeley area or um, there's a couple. There's a bunch of them up there. There's uh, one guy, I think, um, I can't think of the name of the lake, but uh, he does like pontoon rides and uh, okay. they do like an airboat ride and uh, yeah. They'll take kind of like take you out to them. Uh, it's kind of cool. And I, we, what I do, what I do is the best way. Um, we, I, I've, I've been a kayaker for many years now, and uh, we know some of the ponds that they feed in. So I'll take okay. a lot of the photos I do are via kayak, which is fascinating because nice. sometimes not only are you eye level, but sometimes you're below them because the the ponds are shallow, so they're standing up, and you're like. Mm. Oh my God! You're looking up at it, which gives you an interesting angle. It's different yeah. than on land and a different perspective, and you really could get like eye to eye with them and up close. Because as long as you know you don't get, I, I got big lenses and whatnot. You don't have to get too close, but yeah. it really it becomes a lot more um, intimate um, and uh, interesting. Where you're limited on land, you got no limits. You got no limits. Um, you know, as long as you don't get too close, you don't want to spook them. That's bad for a lot of reasons. Yeah, but exactly. what disrupts their, yeah, they could get upset and that's yeah. really bad. Or it disrupts their feeding patterns and they need to eat a lot to get ready for the winter. So you don't want to do yeah. that. Um, you don't want to spook them. But other than that, yeah, I mean, most of the time, if you keep a distance, especially in a kayak, uh, it doesn't bother them. And they'll kind of like, they'll set the boundaries. If you, they get agitated, you back up and take off. But, but, uh, you do a slow, very slow approach, and uh, yeah. you, you know, use the big, biggest lenses first. And if you get a little closer, you could choose a different one, or just sit back. Um, mm-hmm. you, they could read them. You know, you do this a long time. You can sort of there's some they could care less. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it, but you could you're almost <laughs> go up and almost go up and pet them. Um, and I keep a good distance, but it's amazing. And then some man, you don't want to be near them. Oh my God. You can yeah. see you get agitated. <laughs> I, was right say, away. Uh, I do not recommend going up and petting moose. I don't want somebody. No. Hey, I, I heard it on that shirt up and grind show. Yeah. Just go up and pet the moose. Yeah, and don't... Getting gored and trying to sue me. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Uh, I try to keep it. Di- you know, it's funny. One of the, one of the trails that we hike on frequently, and this used to be happened more uh, back in the day. So we, we, you know, as photographers, we're out, in the dark like we we go we want to see that first light or even before the lights over the mountain yeah so we're often hiking with headlamps on and whatnot and uh there's a there's a, tra- a couple of trails that basically they're so they want to feed in the pond early in the morning so so many times uh it happened where you're walking on a trail now if you slip off that trail it's slippery in the morning it's like a kind of like a thin boardwalk uh, i've had happen where i've slipped and then all of a sudden a moose would stand up because you'd spook them because they're laying right off the trail oh, okay. yeah and uh and then they just they almost like they'll get up and like 
they almost knock you over to get to the pond. Uh, uh, hasn't happened in a long time, but there used to be a lot more moose up there. But uh, it, yeah. yeah, you gotta always be, always gotta be careful. Always gotta be careful. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All, All right. right, so that's our time. So give us a uh, give us some final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mean, 